You're listening to Meet the RIA. In this special podcast edition of the show, you'll get expert insight from some of the top registered investment advisors in the country. Hello and welcome to Meet the RIA. Joining us now, we have Barbara Bellolo and Lisa Nera with Region Atlantic Private Wealth, which manages more than $6 billion. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and excited to hear more about yourselves. Uh, I'd love to start by just hearing how you got your start in the industry. Lisa, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, so my, you know, my experience started in 2008 when I when I graduated college. I spent a few years in the insurance side of the business on the advisory arm, uh, and then in the broker dealer side of the world as well um, for about 10 years. And now, uh, for the past year, I've been at Region Atlantic. Um, how I got into the business uh, was really through my experiences uh, in college and school. Um, I was studying business and and, and really management. Um, at that time, not exactly sure what I wanted to do. I knew I knew I wanted to be in finance, whether it was investment banking, corporate finance, and some personal experiences that changed our um, household from a financial standpoint. I started to learn a little bit more about personal finance, took a course that mimicked the CFP, uh, and grabbed an internship with Merrill Lynch, and I really never looked back. Um, and fast forward, I think a lot of that has to do with relationships. Um, I am a people person. I love to talk. And so building relationships is something that I, I naturally love to do. And that's a big part of what we do as financial advisors. So that's a little bit about um, where I've been and, and how I'm here today. And uh, I've, been, I've been doing this a hair longer than, than Lisa. Uh, my uh, financial services journey um, began in 1994, uh, where I graduated Providence College with a double major in history and secondary education obviously naturally leading me to uh, the financial services industry. Um, I started working at a small brokerage firm in Midtown in 1994. In 1996, I moved to a global investment bank. And uh, now it's 2022. uh, And I never look back. So about three decades later, I'm still doing it. I love what I do. I love helping people. Um, And that's uh, one of the reasons why Lisa and I have partnered uh, to talk to you today, because uh, again, we love what we do and we love relationship management. Yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about those relationships and then what types of clients you serve. Could you share a little bit more about your role at CI, Region Atlantic Private Wealth? Sure. So I am a wealth advisor and a partner at the organization. I've been here for about five years. Um, you know, we have a similar practices, Lisa and I. Um, we work with, uh, we basically work with folks who want to work with us, right? So we want to have a client base that consists of people who really need us and value the services that we can provide, uh, namely entrepreneurs, uh, corporate executives, um, business owners, uh, et cetera. We also work with, uh, you know, family wealth. Um, and today we're talking to you about the LGBTQ plus community, um, and that is a practice area that Lisa and I are developing as we speak. Um, and so that is certainly a community that we uh, we are focused on as well. Lisa, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, I, I think that you know what you just mentioned um, as far as serving the, the type of clients that that we serve, but also you know clients who work with us want us as advisors to really quarterback their financial lives in, in really all aspects. Um, so somebody or, or an individual or family who's looking for that type of relationship um, would be well served here at Region Atlantic. 
And building off of that, what's been your experience as an LGBTQ financial advisor and what kind of challenges have you faced? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start with that uh-huh. one. I think as an LGBTQ advisor, for me personally, has been an interesting journey. Um, you know, in, in pre- previously, uh, I had generally been uncomfortable um, being my authentic self as an LGBTQ advisor. And so I knew a year ago coming to Region Atlantic, I would be joining a culture of inclusion, um, which I can confirm a year uh, later is, is certainly true. But not only that is uh, working at a firm who is supporting me and helping the community itself. Um, and so my journey has been uh, a bit interesting in, in that sense, as far as the evolution of it. And, and now I stand here in front of you as a um, you know, fully authentic person that shows up at work and, and to my clients as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have a a similar philosophy about it, Jenna, for me, it's been a little bit different because I've, you know, been in the industry for three decades. And so I've seen a lot. Um, I do think that the, I think financial advisors, you know, in and of ourselves have evolved. Um, And I think that what we've done is we've gone ahead and we've, we've listened better, if that makes sense. We've listened more um, and, you know, again, part of what Lisa and I uh, endeavor to accomplish is, you know, creating a practice that focuses on the LGBTQ community because it is such a historically underserved community. And, you know, folks are asking us just as, as, as early as, as yesterday, you know, why are you guys doing this? And, and Lisa and I said, because we should, we should do this right now. Um, we're basically marrying our own personal experience with our skill set. And so what that does is this creates this practice specialty, which again, focuses on LGBTQ plus and their families, really to help them and and to understand and learn their needs, our needs, which are different than perhaps traditional families. So it's something that we're really excited about. We're really proud. um, And we are are building out that, that specialty practice as we speak. And I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this, Barbara, after three decades in the industry, but how would you say that the financial services industry has evolved since your career began? Well, there's definitely been tons of change. Um, I, I wish I had, I wish I could tell you there's been more change than there has, Jenna, um, but unfortunately there hasn't. Um, I think this is the, you know, the whole, you can't turn a battleship overnight. Um, you know, some of these companies are large. Uh, they require a lot of sort of fixing the problem at the root. Um, and that's really getting the right people, um, you know, at the top of the house. And so, I, again, I wish I had seen some more change, but I haven't. I know that technology um, has helped. Uh, social media has helped. People saying we, we need change um, and being progressive has definitely helped um, the industry. And And frankly, I think for Lisa and I, for us not to go ahead and put ourselves out there for this community would be a shame, right? Because two people with our backgrounds and our experience can really help and again, try to help the industry in general be a little bit more progressive um, as it relates to LGBTQ and frankly, Jenna, women. Um, you know, Lisa Lisa and I always laugh about it, but I, I love uh, sports and I love movies. Um, put those together and you get Field of Dreams. Uh, Field of Dreams is if you build it, they will come. And my philosophy has always been if you can get more women um, into organizations and specifically wealth management and financial services, if you get more women, the DEI will come. 
Um, and that's something that I stand by and I've seen. Lisa, anything you'd like to add that add to that? I'm sure things have changed quite a bit since 2008 in financial services and you know elsewhere. We have gay marriage legally now in that in that time frame as well. Yeah, and I think just the second part you had mentioned is there's a lot to unpack there, and, and good reason why we do what we do because even with the um, the marriage, you know, in 2015 when we were afforded the right to, to legally marry, that. The fight didn't stop there. Um, and, and quite frankly, there's still le- layers of nuances when it comes to family planning and estate planning for the community. So we can talk a little bit more about that. As far as um, how the financial services industry has evolved since since, since I began, uh, I, I think one thing I think of is relationships and people um, across the board when they think about financial services is they're looking for more better relationships, right? It's not so much just about, hey, what stock are you buying me and selling? Um, it's really, you know, what are the conversations? How well do you know me? How well do you know my family? Um, people want to be heard. People want to be understood. And I think now more than ever, um, that's something that might be a little bit different than what we saw 10 years ago, 12 years ago when I started in the industry. Moving forward, how specifically can RAAs improve as it relates to equity and inclusion? We've come a long way, but have a long way to go. Lisa, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I, I think... You know, this is such a this is so interesting um, to us because this is like Barbara said, and, and there's a lot of unmet needs in the community. So when we think about the LGBT community, just like anyone else, as I just mentioned, they want to be heard, they want to be understood, and the data represents uh, different stories. So seven out of ten LGBTQ Americans report that they would be more comfortable with an advisor uh, who is part of the community or a vocal ally. So one way I think how RIAs can improve is as well. well Who's your staff, right? Who are the wealth advisors that are showing up there to help this community? Less than four in 10 feel that advisors understand their unique challenges. So back to my earlier point, they want to work with somebody. People want to work with somebody that knows them, that understands them. And it starts there. It's as simple as that on how RIAs can start to um, make certain changes or improve the way they they relate to equity and inclusion in the community. Um, they're also looking for, you know, they're, they're raising their hand and asking for things. They want more awareness of bias and discrimination um, that impacts the community within financial services. They want more representation of the community in financial services. So those are just to name uh, a few things that RIAs can start to consider. And, and Jenna, if I can quickly add to um, Lisa's terrific points, um, you know, one of the reasons that we are developing the specialty practice um, within the walls of Region Atlantic is, to Lisa's point, as she refers to the seven out of 10 LGBTQ plus, um, you know, members or community members um, that want to work with someone who, who is like them, they do want to work with vocal allies. And so, again, getting back to the reason why we're launching the specialty practice is because we have colleagues who aren't part of the community, but gosh, they're vocal allies and they want to go ahead and even the playing field um, as it relates to the services that we can offer all of our clients. And so Lisa and my responsibility is to make sure that we can educate non-LGBTQ uh, community members because they're just as talented. Um, they just are not members of the community. So um, we take a lot of pride and responsibility in that and helping our other advisors to be more empathetic and understand what members of this community might have gone through in their lives. Mm-hmm. 
And Barbara, how might financial advice differ for clients in the LGBTQ community? And what are some important factors an advisor should know when working with an LGBTQ client? Sure. I, I think the the main, I would say the main risk that members of the LGBTQ plus community uh, face is that they that they face. Yeah, I think I got the grammar right on that one. Um the, uh, the, the, the risk of not having a financial or rather an estate plan. Um, and Lisa and I were talking this morning in, in preparation to uh, today's interview with you, Jenna. And I think that the way to think about it is that you've got traditional families and then you have more traditional families um, and then you have LGBTQ plus families. Both families need estate planning, period, full stop. The validity of more traditional families is not being questioned. The validity of LGBTQ plus families and marriages are constantly being questioned. And so Lisa and I, as advisors, look at not just assets, we look at liabilities for families. And a liability can be not having an estate plan or having an estate plan that's not going to do the trick for you. And so both types of family need an estate plan. But what happens is on the liability side, if LGBTQ plus families don't have estate planning, they are going to run risk and they're going to expose themselves to problems down the road. So I think that's sort of thematically, that's the most important in our minds. That's the best piece of advice we can talk to LGBTQ families about is if you do not have an estate plan, right? Do not pass go, do not collect $200, go and get yourself an estate plan. We can certainly help you think that through, but that is one of the biggest priorities because again, the sense of risk and exposure. Lisa, I don't know if you want to add. Yeah, I, I think just to piggyback off that, and I'll mention a few other things is that the estate plan covers um, also protecting your family, right? And and so it yes, it's about how you're, you know, who helps you take care of your money when you don't can do it or when you're no longer here, who, who receives your money. And Helping also navigate certain state laws that can impede on some of these things is also very important. Um, family creation, right? For, for our community, I think just to take a step back and why it's also important is more and more in community are having kids and, and families. If you think about the next generation, the Gen Z, for example, 20% statistically identify as LGBTQ and over 70% of them are wanting to have a family and wanting to have kids. So when it comes to those conversations, it's really important to work with an advisor who understands and can help navigate some of the, not only options you have, but the costs that come with it. Um, if you think about, you know, money in the community, when you think about family creation, your costs start immediately when you start to think of having a family. And those costs can get into the tens to a hundred plus thousand dollars, depending on which way you go about it. And so helping our clients or, you know, helping the community navigate some of these different things is something that we do and we walk side by side with them um, and help them plan for that. And I think just going back to, you know, how we can help is, is just understanding the nuances and some of the challenges people in the community might face as it pertains to their finances. Um, Barbara mentions in the state planning and that that is critical. We see it time and time again where, um, you know, money is, is being transferred to uh not the spouse of 20 years, but maybe a family member who may not even agree with their relationship because of how the courts operate, how the states operate. And so 
making sure they have that understanding, awareness, and visibility, and putting the plans in place to make sure that their wishes are carried out no matter what. Um, that's what we do. Finally, what advice would you offer an LGBTQ advisor just starting out in the industry? Barbara, why don't you take that one? Be yourself. Um, listen. Um, you know, someone once said, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, you know, listen to, listen to your instincts, educate yourself on how best to um, educate your clients and empower your clients. But really, especially at this time um, in 2022, Jenna, be yourself. This community is looking for, as Lisa says so eloquently, authenticity. Um, they really are looking for people who understand their journeys and someone who can really help them and walk hand in hand with them um, to get them through whatever they need to have you know, help with as it relates to their financial planning or wealth management. I think the more listening that advisors can do, period, uh, whether you're LGBTQ or not, um, but I do think at this moment in time, I think a lot of us have, have laid a lot of groundwork for LGBTQ advisors to be themselves, to be authentic. And we hope that people can um, understand that and, uh, and walk forward with us. Well, Barbara, Lisa, thank you both so much for joining us. Thanks, Jenna. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jenna. And thank you to everyone watching. Once again, I was joined by Barbara Bellello and Lisa Nera with Region Atlantic Private Wealth. I'm Jenna Dagenhart with Asset TV. Thank you for tuning in to Meet the RIA. Be sure to check out our other episodes and visit AssetTV.com, your source for financial news and information.